This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. Starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. FX presents Under the Banner of Heaven. This case I'm working on is a double murder. Inspired by the true crime bestseller by John Krakauer. Oh my God. And starring Academy Award nominee Andrew Garfield. The evidence points to things and to beliefs that I have only ever heard whisperings about. FX is Under the Banner of Heaven. All new Thursdays, only on Hulu. What's up, everybody? We have a great episode of Honey Hole Hangout today. We are interviewing um, Benny Blanco and Lucas Bissett about issues that are going on in Florida, and we're just going to dive right into it. So there is an issue in Florida, Senate Bill 2508, which uh, has made a lot of big news. And so, Benny, before we kind of get into that, will you just kind of talk about what you do and how you're involved with this before we kind of break down what the what the problems are? Sure. How much time do we have? <laughs> as long as you guys want. Yeah, yeah, as no, long no, as no. you guys want. Um, so I'm a fishing guide. Mm-hmm. That's what I was put here on this planet to do. And uh, I've been a fishing guide in Everglades National Park and Biscayne National Park in South Florida for 24 years. Um, I built my life around it. I have three daughters and a wife, and uh, I support my family of five on the water in South Florida. Um, I thought when I was young that building my life in a national park, I would be forever safe. And um, and I did so in a very uh, sustainable way. What I didn't account for was that there were these special interest groups in the center of Florida that truly care the opposite for the park. Um, and their sole purpose is to make as much money as possible all the time. And uh, in doing so, they divert water away from a, a, fl- a system that requires fresh water for millions of years. The reason it exists the way it is, the reason we have such epic fishing in South Florida, the reason why Island Rada is the sport fishing capital of the world is, is that freshwater mix, that, that special sauce that comes out of the Everglades that's now been diverted and, and affected. So the water is being moved away from the Everglades, so it's never being. Or yeah, and I know it's, this it's is a, where it's this a, is where we were talking about earlier, where this is a big web of issues that are happening in Florida. That for someone that's out of state and reads about these occasionally, is hard to understand. For sure, it's super complex. But here's the twenty thousand foot view in short term. Mm-hmm. Um, hundred years ago, 
they thought they could drain the swamp. And that's where that phrase comes from. And they did. They built a series of canals that ran east-west in the state of Florida, um, culverts and and reservoirs and ponds, and they drained the swamp. And they, in doing so, they they freed the most fertile land on the planet to grow crops. And they did that. And it was very successful. What they didn't understand at the time uh, was that they were damaging the Everglades. And the Everglades is the heartbeat of Florida. They didn't understand that connectivity. Um, In South Florida, we rely on the health of the Biscayne Aquifer. The Biscayne Aquifer relies on the health of the Everglades. And so there's 9 million people approximately in Miami-Dade and Broward County that rely on the health of the aquifer and the health of the Everglades. That's one major issue. So what does uh, healthy Everglades look like? If it's the heart of Florida... What does that look like? So the way the Everglades is engineered through Mother Nature, the, it starts at Orlando, basically, at the doorstep of Disney. And that water, through rainfall, is captured, and it goes down through the Kissimmee chain of lakes, fertilizing all of that that central part of, it, the, of Florida, um, flows into Lake Okeechobee. Naturally, the Lake Okeechobee would overflow into a river of grass, and that river of grass would um, be filtered filter that fresh water and you'd have the most pristine uh healthy rich water going into florida bay Mm -hmm. florida bay was typically brackish Uh, florida bay is the bay of all bays and and i mean that in all sincerity that is where saltwater fly fishing was born lefty cray flip pallet chico fernandez Mm -hmm. all the big names yep ted williams retired from baseball and moved to alamorado to fish in florida bay Florida Bay is the bay. 60% of all the bonefish and permit world records, Biscayne, uh, I mean, sorry, Florida Bay. Mm. Most of the big tarpon records, Florida Bay. Florida Bay is also responsible for, for providing the nutrients that made the reef tract or outside of the Florida Keys the most fertile reef tract. And uh, all of that is in danger now. Like literally all of that is at, at the precipice of major change. We, we're either going to save it or we're going to lose it. Um, and that's all the reason that it's at, at risk right now is that we've diverted that water to drain the swamp so that we could have crops in the center of the of the Florida. Well, in that process. So, so this isn't necessarily a, I mean, it is a today issue, but it's a hundred years ago issue when they initially drained the swamp and sure. we are seeing the repercussions of that now. P- part of it, yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah, there are legacy nutrients now that exist in the lake and throughout the park that are a problem because of that, that legacy. Mm-hmm. However... It could be fixed very rapidly okay. um, by restoring that flow from Lake Okeechobee South. We could fix Florida Bay, and in doing so, we we eliminate those those discharges, which became super po- super public national news the last few years. Um, discharges to the east into the St. Lucie, and discharges in the west into the Caloosahatchee, which I'm sure you saw the blue green algae booms on both sides of the coast. And on the West Coast, that blue-green algae water that was coming out of the lake was creating this supercharged red tide that was killing everything. Dolphins, turtles, birds were falling out of the sky. Like legit, Birds were falling out of the sky? Birds were falling out of the sky. Um, people were getting sick. Dogs were dying. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was a, it's an emergency issue. I mean, mm-hmm. the governor, the governor um, called for an emergency um, because we can't control how the water flows in and out of the lake because... Sh- the special interest groups that are in charge in the center of the lake spend a ton of money 
lobbying our legislators in the state of Florida. And they're they're wanting the interest of this lake to go towards farming. Yeah, I mean, or again, a bigger another complex issue. Yep. But the the to make it a short story, they want to control the water so that they can guarantee they always have water for irrigation. Mm. That being said, there's never been a time in that hundred years that they've not had enough water. Okay, they just want to control the water, and it comes down to that. It's about greed. They are they're in this in this country. They are guaranteed a price. They're guaranteed that no U.S. U.S. company can purchase sugar outside of the United States. And at the end of the year, if they don't sell all the product that they make, the U.S. government buys it from them. And then we subsidize them. So mm-hmm. we're paying them to pay our lobbyists, to pay, to pay lobbyists, to pay our legislators to, in campaign donations, and we're paying them to poison our water. And that's where we are in the state of Florida. So when we say there's a complex issue, it's complex from the bottom to the top. Mm-hmm. And in the fishermen are the ones that, that pay the price because we see it firsthand, even though it affects everyone. It literally affects everyone in the state of Florida. We see it firsthand, and we're intricately connected, intimately connected to the water. So let me ask you this. Uh, being a fishing guide in Florida, mm-hmm. what on – what is something that you would see on a day of fishing that is affecting you because of this? Uh, loss of grass. Okay. Um, loss of habitat. Because that because of loss of habitat, our water clarity is nothing like it used to be. Uh, our sight fishing possibilities are slim in some cases in areas that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has all happened recently. Recently in the sense that I've seen it my entire livelihood, but you know, my daughter is 19 years old, and the, the 10 years she's been you know conscious of what's going on she's seen a drastic change mm-hmm. um and if you look at the overall length of time that the everglades has been here we're talking about a second of time we have changed the entire course and health of the everglades we do not have another second in time mm-hmm. to see if it'll be here it won't and so that's why you see activists that's why you see passion when we go to fight and the, and we have a fight we are david versus goliath and when i think of two big fly fisherman issues mm-hmm. in the world right now. I think of Bristol Bay mm-hmm. and I think of Florida. Yep. So, and so you guys are making a lot of noise uh, and we the are. word and, and marketing it well and making it aware, even though I don't understand the intricacies of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand that it, it's a big issue. Yeah. And you don't have to, here's the reality. What happened this past week with SB 2508 is, in my opinion, an industry changing of the guard. It is, it is fishing guides and outdoorsmen and the industry standing up and saying they're done with special interest running and placing a higher priority on money than our environment mm-hmm. and our wild places. And that's just not going to happen anymore. Together, we are way stronger. So let's talk about SB 2508, since that's the current hot topic. What is that, and what happened, and what's yeah. creating the drama here? Okay, so short, short story again. Um, for the last six years, we've made the most progress in the last 50 years of fighting for the Everglades. In the last six years, the difference was us. Outdoorsmen speaking up. And, and over the last six years, we've won a lot of little battles against the sugar industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing so, we've their backs were against the wall. And we knew that we expected some craziness this this legislative session. We did not expect this. Um, what they did was very crafty. 
Uh, they spent $11 million in campaign contributions this session alone to try to push this bill through. That's how important it is to them. Mm. And basically w- what, it do- what it does is it gives the control of the water in the district back to the state, which is where they have all the legislators' padded pockets. And, um, and that was, that was the, the threat. And so we've made all this progress. We finally have projects getting done. We finally have major uh, record funding from the feds because it's a cost share program. Mm-hmm. We have major funding co- contributions from the state because Governor DeSantis is building his legacy on restoring the Everglades. We have all this progress, all this hope. It seemed like everything was going in the right direction. And then they slipped in what's called a conforming bill on the Senate appropriations budget. And a conforming bill is meant to be a minor change, minor change to an existing bill, not new legislation. Okay. But they made this conforming bill new legislation that would completely redirect money from the reservoir, one of the, which is one of the bigger projects in the, in the restoration plan, change the priority of funding for certain projects that they wanted to get done that, didn't, that wouldn't have had any benefits to Florida Bay or any of the east, east or west coast, and give them all the power over the district. So does this still have to go through public hearing and a typical legislation process? Is that what the issue is? Ordinarily, if they, if they did this bill the correct way, mm-hmm. it would have to go through three public hearings and it would take a long time to get through. Yep. Right? In a conforming bill situation, two things happen that are completely bullcrap. One is only one public hearing happens and it happened four days after they filed the conforming bill. So we literally had no time. Well, that was just a couple days ago, wasn't it? It was last week. It was last week. Yeah. Um, then we had four days to prepare for it. In four days, we studied it, researched it, um, met with the people in the industry, and rallied 50 guys to show up at that hearing. It was the only time we were going to be able to be heard on the topic. Mm. Um, when we got there, they laughed at us. They berated us. They cross-examined us. How dare you question the bill we have? Uh, it, it comes down to our legislators forget that they work for us. They think that they're smarter than us. They think that because they get paid and they, and, and they understand the bill because they've been working on it for six months, that we should never question them. And that's the opposite way that, that mm. this should work. So when you say they were berating you and cross-examining you, to what extent was was that happening? I'm just kind of curious of like... For sure. sounds like there was a lot of tension going on there. And in Brighton, I'm, it shouldn't be. Yeah. It shouldn't be. We, we are constituents expressing concern over a bill that was filed, which that we felt was filed sh- in a very shady way. They would not admit to it. They, they claimed that we didn't know what we were talking about mm-hmm. and that we were misinformed. And that was the big deal. And um, they, you know, the cross-examine, I would say, somebody would say, and they never cross-examined anyone who understood or had the ability to speak back. They, they cross-examined the people that they knew they could cross-examine. And um, you know, they, we'd say we'd have major concern with this bill. It's, it's going to affect how our progress we've had. Well, show us the, what line exactly did is, it, is threatening your, your water. Is it 1B? Is it, is it cross-section number 275? What, what line is it? What line is it? And then questioning us on semantics, on wording. We're, we're not legislators. We're not. We're not. We don't make laws. We're 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 fishermen, and we understand that we have progress, and that this bill threatens that progress. Mm-hmm. But they they belittled us. Mm. It was the only time that we could have a public hearing, so they passed it, D- despite all of our 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 uh, public comments, despite us pouring our hearts out, despite 
literally everybody, including the governor's office that found out at the same time that we did about this bill, well, I, urging I, them not to. Yeah, and I want to talk about that because in preparation for this, uh, even though we met like five hours ago <laughs> and trying to read up about <laughs> sure. this as much as I can, uh, Governor DeSantis slams Senate water bill a priority mm-hmm. of Senate president. Um, yeah. A day after the Senate advanced a major water policy measure as part of the slate of budget bills, Governor Ron DeSantis bashed the bill and the process behind it say it left his agencies in the dark. Mm-hmm. It emerged Friday and was approved Wednesday by the Senate Appropriations Committee right. after more than an hour of public comment. Yep. That's exactly how it went down. He, yeah. was, wow. he was on fire. He's, he's built his legacy on restoring the Everglades. Everything we've, all the progress we have is because he's helped us pave that road. Yeah. He wasn't informed of this bill. So uh, I, I'm kind of curious um, with Governor DeSantis's, uh, you know, being against the bill, uh, what, any, between the two parties, who is, you know, pu- trying to push the bill through? And if it's, you know, the conservative side of the party with who would be in support of generally Governor DeSantis. You would is think so. that a conflict? And nope, it's not a red and blue thing. Okay. This is Governor DeSantis is is a Republican, mm-hmm. and uh, President the Senate President Wilton Simpson is is a Republican, and the the committee chair All Britain Ben All Britain is also a Republican. The difference is Ron DeSantis refuses any money from the sugar industry, and the, those two build their entire campaign funding on sugar. And mosaic, which is the phosphate mining industry, mm. and that's what this is about. Um, that doesn't get any more black and white than that. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, what's the next step for so, you guys or Ron Santos? So, fast forward one week, our backs are against the wall because now, after it passes the appropriations committee, it has to go to the full Senate vote. So, we did what we do, which is we educated everybody, and we had no time. We educated everybody. We created videos. We created social pieces. We created a call to action for people to, A, fill out a petition. And, and in one week, we got 40,000 signatures mm. on the petition. Wow. Okay. We, Captain's Clean Water created a, uh, a calling feature function on their, on their site where you could enter in your address and information, and it would pull up your senator, give you all the talking points, and you could call your senator and tell them that you were displeased with how this went down mm-hmm. and why the bill was so bad, urging them. 1,100 calls were made. We didn't feel that was enough. We felt like we, we, the, what we heard was that they, they were undermining our position in, in Tallahassee. They were going around telling them that it was going to be okay, that we would get, we'd get through it. It's really, captains aren't really making a big deal out of it. So we decided that the only way we were going to make a statement here would be to rally the entire industry to show up in Tallahassee. And when, in two days... We had two to four hundred guys. Who knows how many guides were there? Guides, industry representatives, boat manufacturers, anglers, um, concerned citizens showed up. We got a permit to park our boats on Capitol Hill lawn. We mm. parked the boats on the Capitol Hill lawn. So yeah, everybody took their boats. No, but but well, a lot there of was people. we couldn't have everybody because yeah. that would be unrealistic. We had five boats on the lawn, which in Tallahassee doesn't happen. And yeah. you can imagine the traffic jam, and you can imagine the eyes, and and the, and calling attention to the fact that we were there. Mm-hmm. That every time special interest is going to pull crap like this, 
you know, use their money and their influence to force bills through that nobody wants, we're going to come knock on their door. That's why I said this, what happened this week was important for the industry, not just Florida, not just the Everglades, Mm -hmm. for the industry. Because everywhere you look, there's water rights issues. There's pollution issues, and it's always a result of special interest. In this case, we're setting the example and the tone. And I think as an industry, we have to start approaching it the same way. Every time there's an issue. We talked to some issues today in Texas, and, and, uh, and there's going to be public hearing meetings, and there is no reason why the industry shouldn't show up at those meetings. I think categorically the industry has to now take this momentum, and when there's issues that were at special interest versus you know, prioritizing the environment or our water or our wild places, that the industry should show up and say, that's it. We're not, we're not accepting this. Because as an industry, we are way more powerful than any one special interest. Yeah. Well, one thing I would say that's admirable about what you guys are doing as Florida is your ability to get people together and get stuff done. And oh, yeah, so sure. what advice would you have to Texans or someone in another state that maybe they don't feel like they're making that difference or being able to garner the people? What are you guys sure. doing that may be different than other people are doing? Well, two things. One is it didn't happen overnight. I mean, I wish I could say it would happen overnight, mm-hmm. but it's been six long years of educating and beating on doors and and uh, empowering people. That's that's a key component. You know, people can be educated but not empowered. Mm-hmm. And you have to make you have to make it people feel like they're making a difference. And uh, that's why, again, I'm saying that what we did in Florida this this week should be a beacon for everybody in the industry that to understand their voice matters. Forty thousand people signed a petition. Forty thousand people decided that their their voice mattered, and because they did that, we made change for the first time in all of Everglades restoration history. The sugar industry conceded. They filed an amendment removing most of the ba- damaging language. And so when the bill passed two days ago, it passed with all the bad stuff that they paid $11 million to have in there because we stood up. Not we, not me and Lucas and not me and Lucas. Wait, was, okay. So I, I just want to back up because yeah. I'm a little confused. Yeah. Sure. I just want to clarify. So the bill passed two days ago. Yes. And the- Passed the, the Senate. Passed the Senate and the things were removed or they continued to push through. That's, no, no, that's right. So no. we showed up in town on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. 400 captain's hats in Tallahassee, boats, trucks, boots, hats. And simultaneously, the amendment was filed at the very last second prior to session on Thursday. They filed an amendment removing 90% of the bad language, Mm. the language that would affect the reservoir, the funding, the prioritization. Now, there is still some stuff in there, right? And this is a long process for a bill to get through a session. But for us to be able to kick back when we were sucker punched by the sugar industry, forced down our throat for us to stand there, take it and then punch back and get the amendment done is a huge That's deal. That's a huge win. It's oh, yeah. a huge deal. Cause it seems like to me they could almost just, they could do anything, push it through. Yeah, they absolutely could. And they could have, they had the votes. Yeah. They, I mean, you, if that's that hall was filled with senators that were already bought and paid for, that was obvious to me. Obvious to anybody, everybody that was there. What what were the votes like? I'm sure you guys are trying to to you know talk to people beforehand and kind of get an idea of what the vote would be. Where you know what what was the vote for, vote against situation? So like? I think if they didn't have if they didn't file the amendment, it would have been a very different scenario. We would have had 
senators that were put in a hard place because we pressured them hard. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have been put in a hard place, right? But because of the amendment, a lot of senators who would have probably voted no voted yes. Okay. Um, and that's acceptable in my mind because the amendment was the win, not the, not the vote of the pass. It was going to pass no matter what. The question was how bad it was going to be when it passed. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we got the amendment and most of the bad language out is, is a, like I said, a monumental shift of the guard. It is, for the first time, the biggest special interest group who's fought against everything that we stand for conceded to us for the first time. Mm. And when senators were scared. When senators are defensive off the bat, they're scared. And they were scared. Yeah. Because we were there. For the first time, as far as I know, the Senate hall was filled with boots and hats. And we were all watching them. Mm-hmm. And they knew it. And so it, it was, again, a monumental, monumental you know, moment. It was historic. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and that's why everybody's talking about it. That's why it's big news. So is it done now? It's passed? Yeah. Okay, so... And and I think that's will you kind of talk about the next steps, yes. what could happen, what could change. Yeah, so there's a lot of things can happen and it's hard to speculate, but it has to go to the House of Representatives. Um, in order for it to move forward, it has to have a companion bill in the House. Um, now the companion bill will be much better because it doesn't have all that bad language. But there's still a threat there because sugar the sugar industry and the other special interests involved have, you know, deep pockets and you know, that's how these, how we've created this political game. Mm-hmm. It, it exists. And so anything can happen. However, we have a lot of momentum now. We've, we set a precedent. We're going to show up. Um, so there is no more public hearings. There's no more public hearing process. But we, you, you can actually go meet with the House of Reps. And the representatives that are left, you can go meet with the House of Reps. They work for us. You set up meetings and you can do that. And that's probably going to be our next game. Um, right now, we're waiting to see what kind of traction the bill gets, the reaction from the House. My gut feeling is that we set such a precedent that they're gonna, not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. That's my gut feeling. But there are a lot of ways it can go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so there's no way to speculate. But if it goes to the House, and let's say it passes with exactly what it is, then it goes to the governor's office, and he has the ability to kick it back, make them all come back for a second session, and work the problems out. So there's a lot of ways that this can go. Which it sounds like, because we were when we went to dinner, we were talking about that. Because it seems like, in our eyes, you know, we read that article about DeSantis being adamantly against it. Well, if it passes through and goes through, then DeSantis could veto it. Is what there, does it look like? Is there, like, is it a 66% vote like it is in our, you know, in the federal government system to... no. Because it was filed as a conforming bill, mm-hmm. DeSantis does not have veto power over it. Okay. His only power is that he can kick the entire bill back. And just make him. And can he do that unlimited amount of times? Can he do it once? Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, but I know he has the ability to do it at least once. Okay. Bring them back. Now, the problem is that they put it puts us at risk of some type of shutdown potential. And it's not good for overall. So there's there's a lot of things at play here. Um, and that's why they did it the way they did it. They wanted to tie the hands of everyone they could. They wanted to force it through. They Honestly, I felt, I think that they thought filing it as a conforming bill, we wouldn't catch it. And they could slip it through that public hearing. It would have got approved. They, we wouldn't have found it till now. That's what, that's what they thought. Mm. They didn't expect us to be diligent. They didn't expect us to be 
how, how did you guys find out about it? I am curious about yeah. that. How did the news break? Because someone's got to be reading through all this stuff, and, yeah. you know, especially, yeah. The, the cool thing is that over the last six years, we've built a little bit of a machine at Captain's and, and a lot of allies. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a, a rock star um, legislative analyst on our staff. Her name is Jessica Pinsky, and she's been around politics in Florida for a long time. Um, and we have an ally in the Everglades Foundation, and they have a rock star legislative analyst in Anna Upton. And between the two of them, they found it. Mm. They they sounded the alarms, and shortly thereafter, Daniel and Chris from Captains raised the bat signal, and that's how we all rallied. Yeah. Um, and that's how this that's how the system for us has to work. We have to have the ability to catch it early and mobilize so that they know that they can't get away with anything. And that's why these last two weeks were so monumental. Yeah, it sounds like you guys were running around like crazy. I mean, I gave up two weeks of charters. Yeah. I drove back and forth to Tallahassee twice. I was on the phone all for the, all day, every day for two weeks. Yeah. Getting people there, rallying the industry to support us. I mean, it was nonstop. While we were driving up, I was making calls and sending emails and yep. calling senators. And that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. That's what it takes. And that's why... It's so important that the media coverage is it's here as well, and you guys know about it because, you know, it's just a we're just a couple guides that care about our water and done with being you know second best, done with our environment mm-hmm. being put last. Yeah, you know, I'm not I don't I am not going to stand for Florida Bay being damaged anymore because the sugar industry wanted to make wants to make five more dollars. So let me ask you this: um, in a perfect world. What would you? What are you guys pushing for that would restore a lot of the issues? It's already happening. Okay. Um, the Central Everglades Restoration Plan has been in place since the year two thousand. Mm-hmm. Sugar doing what they do, lobbying up and down the board. Um, they've delayed, installed funding, and created you know dissent between groups. And for the last twenty years, no projects have gotten none, none, because they did. They're they're very good at what they do. My hat's off to them. The construction of this bill and how they were putting it through was perfection. Mm. The difference is that we have educated, quality team members, and we are as passionate as the day is long. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the difference maker now. And, and I said it today at Trout Unlimited at the, at the Trout Fest. You know, in history, you have all these major battles that are in every history book across the planet. And there's always one side that's fought with slaves and mercenaries and people that are, have to be there to fight. And then you have the other side who's fighting for freedom or love or passion or something epic. And they always win. Mm-hmm. And we're fighting for what we love. We're fighting for our passion. We're fighting for our livelihoods and our families and our grandkids. And, and we're going to win because we're, we're, we're never going to stop. Mm-hmm. And there was an awesome quote from the first session from C.A. Richardson, who's a very good friend. He, only he could deliver it the way he delivered it. He said, the guys behind me don't quit. They don't quit when they're tired. They quit when they're done. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between special interests and us. They have unlimited pocketbooks, but they get tired. And they quit. We never quit. Because we love it. Like, we love mm-hmm. our kids. And so, that's that's the lesson when and people outside of Florida are looking is, that, A, we're just a couple guides. If we can do it, anybody can yeah. do it. B, it's about passion. It's not about money. So if you need help, then teach someone what's going on. 
Everybody loves the water. Everybody loves the wild places. Teach them that they can use their voice. So you teach them about what's going on, empower them to use their voice. And if you do that, then you've created an army that's unstoppable. Mm. Proven two days ago in Tallahassee. So, uh, and, and the sugar industry is not going anywhere. Nope. You guys aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So where is that balance of... Uh, and I know it's hard to do because you guys, you, they want what they want, and you guys want clean water. Yeah. Where is that balance? What's the perfect balance in your eyes? They're never going to stop, and neither will we. The, mm-hmm. the, the reality is... But I'm just saying, like, in an, in an idealist, perfect world, where does that balance meet to where, you know, sugar's not going anywhere. It's produced there. They need to continue to grow sugar. You guys want clear wa- clean water. Mm-hmm. What's that thin happy medium line well see here's the the biggest misinterpretation from anyone outside of the state of florida is Mm -hmm. we're not asking to take their water we want equal rights of water we we, there's never a situation in florida where we don't have enough water for sugar Mm. they always have enough water they just want to have all the water and that's where it's wrong and in florida prior to the last 30 years agriculture was the priority now the tourism industry and fishing is the priority. I'd be curious, what's the uh, yearly economic income of Easy. of uh, uh, sugar versus, you know, let's just say fishing. Yeah. So or traveling and guides and hotels and eating out. and Sure. Let me break down some numbers yeah. for you. Florida Bay is worth about half a billion dollars to Monroe County, which is the Florida Keys alone. The recreational fishing industry in the state of Florida is $30 billion $30 billion dollars annually. The... The tourism industry in the state of Florida is $130 billion. Do you know what sugar is? Take a guess. $50 million. Nope. Not even close. Less than eight. Less than $8 billion. So you got $8 billion versus $30 billion in recreational fishing. Mm-hmm. $8 billion versus $130 billion in tourism industry. Mm-hmm. The priority absolutely should be on tourism people and every other water right user. All we are fighting for is equal rights. And that should be the that should what be that's what sh- every legislator should be fighting for, mm-hmm. but they don't. Well, you know the crazy thing. One is that I've never gone the song without talking. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I was wondering like, if we hey, muted you your mic in a little bit. Yeah, no, no worries. I'll be right here on it. No, <clears throat> seriously, that was the longest I've ever gone without talking. <laughs> <laughs> and two is that the reason that Florida doesn't have a state income tax is because of tourism. Right. So Florida's budget is built off of tourism. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you have a $100 billion industry in tourism that's brought there because of beaches and water and all the things that make Florida, Florida, and yet you have this special interest group in sugar that's able to somehow manage to circumvent what keeps you from paying state tax in Florida. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's remarkable. But well, yeah. I mean, if you have a $100 billion industry and you do a sales tax, you know, every purchase is that – every purchase that a tourist makes coming – that's and if you yeah. really want to, you know, you really want to analyze it, the tourism industry is paying those taxes, and then the federal government subsidizes the sugar industry to be there. Right. Mm-hmm. We're paying them to corrupt our government and sh- and poison our water. That's the bottom line. It, the The problem is that it's it's this system that was put in place a hundred years ago that's never been modified, and so. There has always been a priority over, on agriculture over everything else mm-hmm. in the state of Florida. That's where the dissent comes from. That's where the complexity comes from. That's where the battle comes from. 
we are fighting for equal rights. They're fighting for only rights. And that, and that alone should alert every legislator. But if you want to break it down, the chair of the committee who presented this bill, Ben Albritton, he raised $440,000 in campaign contributions on the books this session. $440,000. Two eighty came from the sugar industry. Another hundred and something came from Mosaic. So you have someone who's who's getting all their money literally from the people who are poisoning our state. Well, yeah, they're not getting money from any individuals, small businesses. Who are they beholden yeah. to? Yeah. They're not beholden to their constituents, obviously. They're beholden to two industries, and those two industries have done that for decades, and they run the state. This is where we change. Now, how hard is it to get those guys out of office? Are these guys like running, getting reelected every term, and that's a problem? Or they're just kind of so known on the ballot that they're being reelected? Or, you know, can you guys... How, how are they perceiving like this whole situation compared to your... The problem is that it's about information, and, and Captain Clean Water is a 501c3, and we can't advocate for any, any legislator over another, and that's, that's a problem. Mm. Um, it's it's constructed perfectly that way, and we would never change it. But the reality is, um, to get somebody out of office, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. You know, um, so many people vote party lines. They don't they don't think anything else. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, they don't really look into it. So many people don't understand the fight that we have. And that's part of what I was saying is is we have to be better educators. We can't just rely on mm-hmm. the fishing industry to fight for water rights. It's got to be everyone. People have to understand, if you live in Florida, you are connected to the quality of the water, period. If you go to the beach. I mean, how many people go to the beach in Florida? But, Everybody. But if you live in Florida, okay, if you live on the on the on uh, in Florida, you're, yeah. there's, I think it was like 20 million people live in the state of Florida, 16 million live on the coast. So you live near the water, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if the water goes... It is goes, a peninsula. So that, that, that if helps. the water goes bad, what, are, what happens to your property values? It, they tank. Mm-hmm. So that affects everybody. That affects... The guy who bags your groceries, you're not there anymore. The the, the mechanic that d- that handles your car, everybody is tied to the quality of the water because our entire economics in Florida is tied to tourism. Mm-hmm. So we're all connected to water. It's a, it's but there's an education gap, right? That mechanic that fixes your car should be fighting for water just like you are. The the guy who bags your 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 groceries should be fighting for water as much as you, mm-hmm. but they don't understand. That connectivity, and so has, there has to be an education component, and you know we can't be fishing guides and go lobby for our, our rights and be educators. It's it's a very difficult yeah. task, yeah. and you know it's a monumental feat. And so, it, well, it's, it sounds easy like we should just vote them out of office, yeah. but how do you how do you do that if you're a guide? Yeah. Well, and it sounds like too. You know, I was surprised to read. Governor DeSantis, they, you know, Governor DeSantis just speaking about it is going to raise a lot of awareness. So to to, to have the governor, the governor on your side is a big one because the top article I found, Governor DeSantis slams yeah. Senate bill, you know, and so um, I think that's huge. Will you talk about? Uh, you're with Captains for Clean Water, right? I am a fishing guide who supports Captains for Clean Water. Okay. I'm, their, I'm probably their one of their biggest ambassadors. Okay. So will you talk about what Captains for Clean Water does? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, everything we just said. Mm-hmm. Captains for Clean Water is a, is a grassroots stakeholder organization initially made up of fishing guides who were just tired of their water being treated like a garbage can. Mm-hmm. 
Um, two two guides in particular, Daniel Andrews and Chris Whitman, who I've become very good friends with. And every time they call, I just say yes. Um, because we've made so much – we were the difference. You know, they've been fighting for Everglades restoration for decades, many organizations, and going through the legislative process and doing it what I'll, in quotes say is the right way and speaking with legislators and trying to negotiate ways, and that gets you only so far because mm-hmm. if you've ever dealt with a legislator, they talk out of both sides of their mouth. The side where they're taking the money and the side where they're wanting to get you out of your office. And the difference is that we don't do it that way. We bring passion to the fight. So we're explaining our position through stories, through stories that anybody can relate to mm-hmm. because we've all lived it. And so we, that passion has been the deal breaker, the change in this fight for the Everglades restoration. So what Catholic Clean Water do is, does is we educate, we empower we make sure that we catch these issues and empower our community to rally to speak up. Um, it's again a component that's never existed. Mm-hmm. So we've created an in, we've we've taken an industry in Florida that's separated by states, by counties, by fisheries, by watersheds, and connected them all and given them a voice. And that's what we did this week. We gave that thirty billion dollar industry a very resounding voice that every senator in that hall felt. Mm-hmm. They didn't just hear it. They felt it. And that was the difference this week. That's awesome. How many, uh, uh, is, is it a membership organization or yeah. how many members does Clapton's for clean water have? Do you have any idea? I don't know. That's okay. I don't know, but I know that it grows every day by the minute. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I was at my boat show yesterday, just yesterday. It seems like, about a week ago, but it was yesterday. And um, I gave a couple couple talks about 2508 and about capture clean water. Every one of them was slam-packed, standing room only, because people want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They see it in the news. They don't get it. They It's complex. You know, they don't, how does it relate to me? How does it, doesn't, how does it not relate to me? Why should I sign this petition? And all those questions have to be answered, like, all the time. Yeah. And so um, – you know, that, that move, the movement is growing every second. So if I quoted you a number right now, if I knew it and I don't, um, it'd be different in five minutes because that's how fast we're growing. And that's where the power lies. You know, once you start educating one person. So when you were a kid and you went to school and you learned two plus two is four, what was the first thing you did when you got home? Oh, mom, dad, guess what I learned today? Yeah. So, two plus two is four. So you just spent an hour with me. You learned all this stuff about yeah. Everglades restoration and the power and, the, and the, the change that we just did and this, this epic you know, inspirational thing we just did. What, what is the first thing you're going to do? You're going to go tell somebody. And that's how it starts. And mm-hmm. that's, how, that's how it will end, by us educating the people around us, by empowering the people around us, by creating a singular community that fights against special interests mm-hmm. because we're all the same. That we, we let these fictitious lines of state, these imaginary state lines separate us. Imaginary county lines separate us. These fishery lines separate us. We all all the same. We all live on the coast. We all fish a, fish a creek. We all love a wild place. We are the same. And the second that we recognize that and start fighting as one, all these issues go away because no special interest wants to take on mm-hmm. the industry. They will take on a watershed, but not an industry. So if people want to support Captains for Clean Water yeah. and they also want to learn more information, what's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, there's a lot of... A lot of great stuff on the Captains for Clean Water page, and you can you can go to it, uh, CaptainsForCleanWater.org. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first button is the petition that we that we talked about. Do that, 
sign the petition. That's that's one way that you can help us solve this problem in Florida right now. That's and and that's been a very powerful button. Um, the next button will tell you all about the amendment and the bill that was filed, why it's bad, what our fears are, um, what the issues are, how they filed it. So you can really see mm-hmm. how they get these things done on you know every session in every state probably. Um, no, I think that's all good. We'll what we'll do is we'll link those direct links in our description. Thank you. And so that way people can go sign the petition, do all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, guys, it doesn't sound like, uh, guys that are listening, it doesn't sound like, you know, going on signing the petition is not a ton of effort. It's you know, 30 seconds. Yeah, go sign the petition, mm-hmm. help out, and go read about in more detail what's going on in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I, re- I want to ask you something. Uh, yeah. We covered on our uh most recent episode that was actually released, we covered an article uh, where they were testing tissue samples of bonefish yes. f- and finding pharmaceutical drugs in there. And we just kind of basically covered the article. But I'm curious if you have any, like, interesting details about that that we may not know because that For is sure. absolutely, f- like, interesting. And one of the my big questions was why, how did you, de- how was that study picked out of all the things that you could study? Um, why, what led you, or what was led to pharmaceuticals and bonefish? We have some rock star biologists in mm-hmm. South Florida. Um, Jen Rehash, who was the constructor of that, mm-hmm. that study, um, is a good friend and she loves the water. Like I've never met anyone that loves the water. And, um, my oldest daughter happens to study underneath her at FIU, mm. the water resources lab. And she was part of that study. Um, which is in, incredible. And I think it started a few years ago. Uh, we were, they, I, I'm not claiming any ownership here whatsoever, other than I support them in every, Jennifer, Jennifer and everything she does. Um, they were trying to find what links, why are the bonefish so big in South Florida? Why are they coming here and, and surviving in this weird situation of water flow and you know, and what? Where did the baby larvae bonefish go? And they found them all the way deep in the Everglades in the most brackish, nasty water they could find. They found them by by pulling these seine nets, and they found these little baby larvae bonefish um, in an area that no fish were surviving. And um, hmm. so, it made her further wanted to research bonefish and and what they were doing in South Florida specifically. And she found that they were living in these these weird situations um the next logical thing is to test them find out what's in their system um we're we're losing habitat by the second in, in biscayne bay and in florida bay that's the bonefish natural habitat uh, we've learned in other areas in the caribbean that when the habitat's gone the bonefish leave they leave they only come in the flats because they can feed there and if the habitat's not there there's no food they will leave and that is a huge fear for I mean, imagine fishermen and sportsmen in South Florida, but every guide. Yeah. Um, previous to that, four years prior to that, the University of Miami did a study and determined that every living bonefish in the state of Florida is worth about $70,000 in their lifetime. $70,000. Because of what they contribute to the, to the recreational fishing industry in South Florida. Mm. So there's a lot of value in a bonefish, and we're finding out that they live in these weird situations when they're in larvae. So the next... Step is to find out what's in their system, how are they, you know, what's affecting them. And, and 93 bonefish were tested in this particular study. All of them 
had pharmaceuticals yeah. in their blood. I think if I remember correctly, all had at least one pharmaceutical. All of, all of them had at least seven. Oh, at least seven. Yes. And then one had 17. One had 17. Everything that you can imagine from. Yeah, it was like know, foot fungus medication, heart pressure medication. Right. Uh, to to um, opioids. Right. You to know. birth control. Birth control, yeah. And oh. what does birth control do to our our breeding population of bonefish? I mean, it's it's heartbreaking. Um, but it's but it should be eye opening, and, and I know it was to every legislator, to every person we've been f- beating on the door to tell them we have water problems. Um, it's just further, you know, uh, proof that we we have to as a not just an industry now, as as a Floridian, we have to address water quality issues. If we want any, if we love anything about our state whatsoever, yeah, we got to do it. Well, and this seems like we were talking about this too. How do you get so many far pharmace- I mean, our we would just assume people would just flush them or like introduce them to the water system. And the most logical way in my mind is people have to be flushing them. Yep. And just like the common sense, like not flush medications, just does not nope. make sense. We're talking about Miami. Yeah. Miami is a huge mm. metropolitan city. Yeah. And eighty percent of the people in Miami are. They, what they care about is what party they're going to go to on Friday or how, is their Lamborghini clean or, you know, is their third home on Miami Beach, you know, going to house the, enough people for the party this weekend. It's There's no connectivity to, in the environment. In, mm. in Miami, it's it's all concrete. Um, and the only way you can get out of the concrete is to go into the Everglades or go into Biscayne Bay. And that, I made that, that analogy today. When I got here in Austin, my first time in, the, in Canyon Lake – and um, driving around, my eyes were just, I was blown away by how beautiful this place is. Right here, your getaway is just walk outside. In Miami, your getaway has to be the water mm. because you get off the water and you're in concrete jungle. Mm. Every square inch of grass is well, developed. If it rains, everything that's, that's right. on the ground and goes right into the water supply. goes right into the water. Mm-hmm. And our sewage system is outdated and failing. And we keep building condos and homes in a in a you know in a outdated septic sewer situation that is constantly leaking, and that's how you get those pharmaceuticals yeah. in the water. I would be interested. Uh, maybe you'll share her contact information with us because I'd be interested in talking to her. I, I I just found that absolutely fascinating. For sure, you should you uh, should reach out to her. You, she will bit, she'll blow issue. your mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that is awesome. Um, thanks for talking about that. Sure. Um. Lucas, yes. what are you up to these days? I, I you've fell been asleep like, for like four minutes. Dude, you've been like, you've been like over there twitching, like waiting to talk. You have to, I mean, you have to understand that this is not my normal, is to sit still and quiet. Um, I felt like I was in church again. Like I, just, I, I didn't know what to do. I was waiting for the communion. Like, um, uh, it's part of becoming the executive director. Of that's true. That's yeah. true. You're that's learning true. how to control your impulses. I hope that I did pretty good because there was yeah. a, like – when we got on the pharmaceuticals and then you said birth control, do you know how many jokes I thought about? <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I looked over at, at, at Cameron like, uh, you want to, what do you, what do you think? Like, should I go now? Like, I, was, like, I was getting ready to hit it. I wanted, I wanted to clarify a couple things because I think it's important to yeah. understand just to go back momentarily to, no, that's to, perfect. to big sugar. Yep. Sugar industry in this country is wrought with crazy heavy political ties that 
are weird. Like, it's odd. Like, sugar is one of the few commodities that has been regulated to this degree and had this much power in the country as it has. I mean, you're talking about white gold at one point in the early days of, of this country's history because it wasn't something you had. You know, like, mm-hmm. people didn't have sugar. It wasn't something that you just got. And so the regulatory component to it in the early days guaranteed a certain price all the time, no matter what. And Benny, did, he did touch on a bit talking about not allowing sugar from other places. Uh, sugar growing is regulated to a point where if you're, you're not allotted, you know, to grow sugarcane and they decide that there's no more space or no, no more need for, for the supply. Mm. So they control supply and demand and that's how they've maintained this price of sugar, its entire existence in this country. And so with that kind of power comes corruption. And that's, that's what you have to understand is that what Benny and those guys in, in Florida are fighting against is a juggernaut that has never been tested. Mm. Never. Until two days ago. Exactly. And so what we need to understand is that this victory is unprecedented. And he mentioned that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to clarify, and I thought it got a little muddy, and it's just legislative process is kind of odd anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to note that the Senate bill was introduced. An amendment to that bill was introduced two days ago. That's where the change in language came from. So I just wanted people to understand that the bill and the amendment are two different things. Mm, so the right. bill passed right. the way it was with all the language and yeah. all the nasty stuff. Yeah. No. The amendment... No. Okay. The the bill so the bill was introduced in the as a conforming bill in the appropriations budget meeting. Right. Which I was gonna get a little bit to the appropriations right. stuff too. So it passed that with the bad language. When right. it got to the Senate floor that week between those two t- those two hearings. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Is okay. when we beat up every single senator, had all the petitions signed, called them, emailed them. By the time they got to that hearing, the day before that hearing is when we showed up in Tallahassee, 400 strong, with boats and trucks. So they amended the they bill. They amended it that night. Okay, okay, okay. When we when we when we arrived in town, they amended it that night. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not and I'm not a, a a government, especially the state government of Florida, expert. But okay, so what happens with bills is they go into committee, they call it, and so in committee is where markup happens, and that's where changes can be made to mm-hmm. the bill before it's introduced to the floor. Right. So that's where the amending came in. So, okay, I get that now. So um, the reason that this is so nefarious is that when you talk about appropriations, you're talking about the amount of money that's going to be spent by the government for the year. Yep. And if you mess with appropriations, you do what Benny talked about, which potentially shut down the government, which is a huge deal. People are out of work. It's a a thing, like a bad thing. Obviously, we've had government shutdowns. We've had potential government Mm -hmm. shutdowns. And every time we do, it disrupts the entire you know, work that happens around anything governmental. And so this would be on a state level. But the reason that it's nefarious is that when you try to do that, people are really conscious of not messing up the appropriations, the funding that's happening for the, for the state itself. Yep. And so when you're doing something like this, you're basically betting on legislators not willing to disrupt the flow of government mm. because it's their jobs too. And their constituents are going to call and say, hey, yep. what the heck? You know, so it... it it was done in the darkness of night and it was done with nothing but evil intentions. Yeah. Like it was, it was hoped that you would, and you it's, would, and, it, and I could see how it'd be very easy to spin that 
into government shutdown if this thing doesn't get passed. And that's the and that's the hold yeah. that's the what they hold over your head is yeah. saying like, oh, is this what you want? You know, yeah. these these whiny captains want us to shut down the whole government because they're trying to change this language that they're misinformed about. I mean, this is a, this is a campaign from day one, and that's what makes it so impressive. And and this is what restores faith in in someone like myself who's been working in advocacy for some years now, is that typically we all feel like this is too big for us. It's too big for one individual. And when you're fighting the government, you feel like you're, like you said, David and Goliath. But the reality is, is that these guys and gals got together and that they changed the course of history for the first time ever mm. against an industry. And, and the only other big industry in Florida is phosphate, which is what makes our ammonium nitrate and all of our other fertilizers. So these two organizations work together very closely. They need fertilizer to grow sugarcane. Sugarcane makes sugar. Sugar is what gets us, you know, this weird commodity in this country. So they work hand in hand, but they both have been very destructive to the state of Florida. I lived in Florida seven years, so I speak with a little bit of intelligence. And I actually worked at a phosphate plant, believe it or not. Hmm. So, um, and Jeff, if Jeff Barker's listening. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm He's actually in, here to kill Benny. <laughs> <laughs> He's infiltrated our podcast. They played, this is like, this is like the show Americans. Like I, they, they, I've infiltrated this 20 years ago when I worked in the phosphate industry. No, um, but anyway, so, so yes, those two are, those two are juggernauts in the state of Florida. And if you looked at what phosphate mining does to the state, especially in Bartow County, I mean, uh, Polk County, Bartow, and, and those areas, it's, a, it's, it's destructive, to say the least. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's these giant dredges that are as big as this condo dragging through the ground and just strip mining out all of the phosphate and uh, using it for, like I said, fertilizers and mm-hmm. things like that. And it produces these wastewater lakes Literally, yeah. That can never be used or treated. In that, perpetuity. It's forever. Yeah. It's just And they sit there. And what happens is they... The, There's nothing that can be done about them. No. no the, you can't get rid of them. The berms breach, and, and they leak over time, and it goes right into our watershed. So so a byproduct, and again, this is where, you know, all these and moments this, of so, my life lead so, up to this. And this second. is, we're getting into the web thing, right, that I've yeah. been talking about that... It's complex. There's, it's complex, and there's a lot of things going on. Well, and, and here's the other web part of it, is that we started this podcast with you talking about Bristol Bay and the Everglades. Yeah. Bristol Bay is the same exact thing, because it's nefarious action that was done mm-hmm. by a special interest group, or tried to, and the tailings from that mine would have had to have been kept in the same type of reservoir forever. Yep. And you're telling me that for infinity, you can keep this from breaching? Mm-hmm. No, you can't. And if you destroy Bristol Bay from here, it's, it, the whole thing's down. Yeah. And those phosphate plants create gypsum, which is radioactive. So it's actually radioactive waste. It's low levels, but it's radioactive waste that sits there in these, these holding ponds. And all it takes is a heavy rain or something crazy to breach one of those levees that are just made out of earth. It's not like it's a, a hurricane. The biggest yeah. one. The biggest one actually happened last year was Piney Point. It was a yeah. it was national news. Two hundred and fifty million gallons of gypsum uh, water was dumped into the bay before they could mitigate the rest of it. There what, was what caused the breach? Uh, it was just natural, natural, natural breach, and in order, and, and and they had to dump it into the bay. There's once it starts to go, where do you put it? In someone's house? Like it has to go somewhere. And so they put it in the bay. Interestingly enough, two months later, three months later, it got hot in the summertime, and the biggest fish kill that's ever happened in Tampa Bay happened, 
algal blooms. Now we have this algae that grows in the bay. I'll show you pictures of a video of it that looks like plastic. It's like lettuce plastic. It's mm. and we did that. We did that. We allow phosphate mining in the state of Florida. We allow them to create these this system stacks. We allow them to leave it and go on and do their business, change their business name, create another business, and we're left to clean up the mess for forever after they've made the millions of dollars and left. And now they dump it into the Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay will take a decade to repair itself. Mm. And so when I, when I say it's complex, it's complex. We are literally taking it from 360 degrees. And, and my, my understanding, too, is those high phosphate, you know, when the water gets like that, more likely to create, like, red tides, yeah, algae blooms. For sure. So the red that tides, this is a, this, we should address the red tide yeah. because all of the rhetoric around red tide is that it's naturally occurring, and that is 100% true. It is naturally occurring, occurring way offshore in the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. It never came inshore. It comes inshore now. It booms inshore now because all of the nutrients that we have on our coasts created by the gypsum sack, by, by runoff, by, by, su- by sewage leaks, by wastewater runoff, we have this this nutrient overload on our on our coastlines, mm-hmm. and it the red tide just touches it, and it's like gasoline on a fire. Mm. It blows up, and it turns into this supercharged red tide. And it, like I said, it kills everything, everything. Like no mercy, dolphins, tarpon, snook, turtles, birds, dogs. People are getting sick. The entire food web. I mean, can you all imagine, the bait fish. Can you imagine you lived your entire life here in Texas? And you built a small fortune for yourself, and you, your whole dream was to retire in Florida on the water. You went to Florida, and you bought your little supplies of her- paradise. You're on the beach, mm-hmm. and then a gypsum stack overflows into the the bay, and you have dead fish, green water in your backyard. I'd be pissed. <laughs> pissed? Yeah, I would start killing people. <laughs> okay, hold on, I hold mean, on a second. <laughs> I mean. At what yeah, point? No. At what point, as a Floridian, do you say enough? Right. My point was reached when we had our issue in Florida Bay in 2015, and I became an advocate. I'm I am done. And Wait, so okay, so talk about that point for you. Sure. What was that tipping point that said I'm yeah. done? So I, like I told you before, I became a guide in Everglades because I thought somebody else is going to fight for it and take care of it. Um, throughout the course of my career, I watched things change. And I thought it was just, you know, cyclical. You know, it's just the glades doing their thing. In 2015, we had the largest algal bloom I've ever seen. Florida Bay is typically hypersaline. Hypersaline means that it's saltier than seawater. And that's because we do not get enough fresh water out of the Everglades. We have a ton of rainwater. It's 550 square miles of flats. We have a ton of rainwater, but it's also super hot. That water sits on top and evaporates. It evaporates faster than we can replenish it from the glades. So it's always saltier than seawater, a bay that historically was brackish. And we know this because you look at any of the the books from real stories that happen in Florida Bay, and there's little things like the the alligator hide hunters would would actually set up camps in Florida Bay because there was so much fresh water, there was alligators out there. Now Mm. it's saltier than seawater. Not a single alligator is anywhere near there. So... All that historically was brackish. Now it is super salty. And when it gets to a certain point and it's hot and you have a couple things happen, like a south wind and there's a lot of floating grass, it creates this hyper saline situation Mm -hmm. like a petri dish. And in 2015, over the course of a couple days, we lost 50,000 acres of seagrass. 
I don't know how to describe that scene to you, but to me, it was like one of my children dying in my arms. Yeah. So from an... So I 50,000 acres of seagrass is... A lot. It's not a lot. No, it's, no. It's life-changing. Yeah. No. And it changed my life because I went from being a it guide is. to being a warrior for water. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. Like, like I said... Yeah. The only thing I could I could put it in perspective for you, it was like watching one of my kids die in my arm, mm. and that changes your life, and that's why I fight. It's me, the sun-soaked tropical hotel, looking for a companion who enjoys short walks to sandy beaches and exotic bird sightings. Must love a spontaneous voyage on a privately owned catamaran. My strengths include ocean and jungle views. Your choice plus the occasional ukulele serenade. My only weakness? You'll never want to leave me. Download the Hotels app to find me. You're perfect somewhere. This episode is brought to you by HP. When you're working apart from your team, feeling connected can be a challenge. Presenting HP Presence, a more thoughtful, human collaboration technology. With enhanced audio and video features, you can experience more genuine collaboration and feel more connected. Be in the room, from any room, with HP Presence. Learn more at hp.com forward slash presence. Well, and I can tell the passion you guys have talking about it. You guys, yeah, man, you guys are fired up. Bill, uh, when, Bill Let's go. when I was talking to Bill, he's like, Benny is the most passionate guy about this, <laughs> and that's got me pumped. Yeah, let's even go tell us right now. Now it's even though it's like midnight, <laughs> <laughs> and we've all been uh, grinding away all day. So. Yeah, what day is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to talk about passion, man? We 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 had four hundred guys in Tallahassee, mm-hmm. right? All of them had to work on Friday. We fought in Tallahassee till four o'clock in the afternoon. It took me seven hours to get home. I woke up the next day and showed went to the boat show like I was supposed to do, like. You can't describe passion in words until you see it in action. Mm-hmm. And what I saw on Thursday was was overflowing passion in Tallahassee mm-hmm. that has never been there. Well, and community does something strong, too. When you see that many other people that do the same thing that you do, yeah. and they're all supporting you. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. That, that if, you, if you've never been to one of these 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 you know, hearings and seeing it all go down and seeing change, it's inspiring as hell. Like, it hits you like a ton of bricks about an hour out of Tallahassee. Mm. I've experienced it several times, so I know. I've been in Tallahassee and D.C. way more times than I ever want to ever go ever again, right? But we had 300 new people in Tallahassee, and I knew as they were leaving, they were all going to be fired. Like I am right now. Fire, like, let's go to mm-hmm. battle right now. And so as I'm driving... I'm calling I, to thank every person that I asked to come who came and gave up a day and drove up there and is now driving through the night to be at work the next day. I called, and they, every single one of them, even the kids who didn't speak a word, like never speak a word. There's a couple kids that just don't open their mouth. I called them, and they were like, oh, my God, I can't wait to get back. You just tell me what to say, Benny. I'll be there. I'll be there tomorrow if you want me to be there. What they, What Sugar did this last two weeks was create an army of me's. Yeah. They are screwed, okay, because you've seen what me, Daniel, and Chris have been able to do in the last six years. Well, there's 400 of us now, Mm -hmm. and who are they going to affect? So that's how this works. That's why I keep saying that what happened two days ago is an 
changing of the guard. And if we continue to spread that message and show everybody and empower everybody that they can do the same thing and we should be doing the same thing throughout our coasts and every single fishery, that we can change things now. And that's what I want to do. That's why I'm here. When Bill called me, I'm like, I am going to be there. Yeah. I, I don't have time to give, but I'm going to be there because we have to create advocates over there. Yeah. We, ha- we should be able to come over here and fight for you, and you should come over and fight for us. Well, and we asked you to come on the podcast. Bill's like, you guys need to get Benny on. Yeah. We asked you, like, heck yeah. Yeah, no of questions, course. No questions asked. I always say yes. Right. Yeah. Ever since 15, when I saw that happen, my, my policy is if it's about talking about water, talking about conservation, talking about what's happening in Florida, it's a yes. I don't care if it affects my bottom line, and it always does. It, in the end, it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think that's great. Well, earlier you asked what I've been up to. Yeah. And I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hi, know, Lucas. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Oh, I'm you're still, still here? here? Still here, guys, yeah. No, I left and I, I made a, uh, you know, a couple pancakes I, and I came back. Um, I ate them while y'all were talking. Um, no, you asked earlier, like yesterday, what I was up to. And um, yes. to, bring this, to bring this on, you know, kind of more of a national level is – Last June, I, I accepted the position of executive director of, of the American Fly Fishing Trade Association. And one of the things that Benny's talking about, is, you know, sort of nationalizing this fight and bringing us all together, you know, to me, that's what a trade association is supposed to do. That's like, right. we're supposed to represent the industry of fly fishing. We're, we're here to, you know, help sustainably grow the business of mm-hmm. fly fishing. And part of that sustainable growth has to be environment, has to be the habitat, has to be the, the natural and beautiful places that we hold dear. Because otherwise, if those don't exist, there's no fishing. And so, you know, at taking over this job and the last time you and I met, Landon, I was a guide, yeah. you know, full-time, yeah. full-time guide. I didn't uh, know you were doing after. I thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah full-time yeah. guide, uh, you know, have been in Louisiana for the last 10 years. Um, passionate as Benny, maybe not as passionate as Benny, but passionate like Benny. Um, and, you know, working on my state the same way that he works on his and, you know, have been honored to, to take this position. But now um, I want to take that to the next level. And, and seeing this kind of, you know, victory is, is not only inspiring to the people who are involved and, like you said, you know, brought it into, I don't want to call it the next generation, but sort of the next generation of fighters uh, I want to bring that um, to AFTA in the same way because in fly fishing, you know, earlier Benny said we're just two guides. That's not true because fly fishing has always held this fantastical position in this country and in a lot of places. It's that when, when you walk into a legislator's office and you say that you're a fly fishing guide, their eyes light up because there's something special about someone who they think of river runs through. Exactly. They're like, wow, Brad Pitt. Right. And they're like, (laughs) they're like, they're like, wow, you look nothing like Brad Pitt. (laughs) That movie's full of crap. (laughs) Right. But, um, but the truth is that, you know, in order for us to continue to punch above our weight, which is what I think this industry has done in Bristol Bay and the Everglades are perfect examples of that. They're shining examples of that. Um, we need to continue to inspire everyone mm-hmm. who's involved. And we need to stop thinking of this as independent. And, and really, in our industry, you know this. We're independent guides. We're independent retailers. We're independent. You know, 
the reality is, is that we have to try to find a way to work together. And I'm hoping that in this position with AFTA that I can help to facilitate that. Yeah. Because I know, and I always use this analogy about a restaurant, is that our industry is like a restaurant. Guides and retailers are the front of the house. You know, we're the waiters, we're the, we're the host and the hostesses. We're the ones who are welcoming people in to the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Manufacturers are in the back cooking, you know, and they're making the meal. And in order to make sure that we're providing this service, we all have to work together. Yeah. You know, media is outside. They're the, they're the menus on the door. They're the ones telling people to come to the restaurant. And so AFTA needs to facilitate that kind of, that kind of collaboration and cooperation. And I know we can. And, you know, stories like this only keep me fighting in that direction even harder because it, it goes to show you that it doesn't take a trade association to start this kind of fire, mm-hmm. but it takes a trade association to make sure it burns hot in all of the, the country. And so I'm, I'm excited to try to try to get that and facilitate it. And, um, you know, our first opportunity to get everyone back together, obviously, is IFTD. And I'm not looking to pitch, <laughs> you know, everything that I'm working on with AFTA. But I do think it's important that, you know, Benny's going to be there. Benny's actually going to be our keynote speaker for IFTD. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it was for me, it was a no-brainer. Yeah. I was like, who can I bring in who inspires, who is going to talk about the industry the way that I feel about it? And embody it in in a way that I can't express. And mm-hmm. and Benny's that guy. I mean, he's passionate. He's he's articulate. He's all the things you want. There there's a lot of there's a lot of good work happening, but there's a lot of work to do. And so I'm I'm excited to be a part of 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 AFTA and 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 really try and and bring this, like I said, on a national level. Because the the thing I keep thinking in my mind is that you know we as AFTA we focus on the industry so that you can focus on your business like that's that's really what I I want to try to do, and I think AFTA has the opportunity to be the bridge between economy and ecology. You know, like what Benny's talking about with a hundred billion dollars, thirty billion dollars. That's the economy of fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the economy of it, and he's out there seeing the ecology happen. So I want AFTA to bridge that gap. I want us to make sure that we give voice those who can't speak. We want to make sure that people feel that they're represented by someone who's on Capitol Hill every day, someone who's not a C3, a C6. That means we can, we can lobby. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here for. We're here to lobby for the industry of fly fishing. So um, I hope that my years of advocating on a state level, on a national level, will, will have prepared me for this job and, and given me an opportunity to, uh, to lend voice to those who, who don't have it. But uh, you know, I'd, it's people like Benny that keep me going in that direction, and, 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 and vice versa. It's 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 so amazing to have friends in high places like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's an industry. It's it's that adage. You know, it takes a village, right? Well, this is one huge village. Everybody has their own job. He has to. He has the ability to lobby. He has the ability to look at it at a sixty thousand foot view, where a lot of the the people fighting their little battles are looking at such a short, small little mm-hmm. spot. They have to be reminded of the village view, and uh, and after plays that role perfectly. Um, and if and if by me sharing my story, lens gives him fire to tell the whole story, then then that's how it works. Yeah, and I think too one thing we talk about on the show a lot. We we talk to a lot of conservation groups, and we're introducing a lot of people to different topics and issues, and our listeners and we personally. Like you said, we could be the menu on the door and introduce people, but we can't fight every battle that's out there. But what I like is 
you know, if this is a battle that you're passionate about or if there's a battle, I want you guys to take Benny's, you know, like drive and passion for that and you can apply it to whatever local situation that you have going on here in Texas because these guys are doing something right and uh, they're getting stuff done. And if we had everyone listening to this show had the passion that Benny had, then a lot a lot of work would get done. Well, they do have they the do passion. have the passion yeah. exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. Like, it goes back to that thing about empowering. That's yeah. what I said. You know, people have the passion. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you told anyone in that in that trout fest today that they wouldn't be able to fish tomorrow, they'd probably beat your brains in. Mm. Right? The passion's there. The question is open. Taking the key and opening that lock. Okay, I got right? you. Yeah. I had the passion before 2015. Absolutely, because look at who I am now. Yeah. I, that 15 opened the lock. And uh, I think we have to try to avoid having a major issue in everybody's fishery to open the lock. Mm-hmm. That, that's, the, that's the gap we have to fill. Start empowering them because we can't that, wait that, for that's those major interesting. issues. Yeah, no, that's an interesting take. Something to, you know, I kind of went away for a second, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're right. We can't take, we can't get to that point. No. So how do we open that lock before we get to that point? Exactly how we're doing it right now. Hopefully there are people out there. I know I affected at least three people today in this in the talk because three of them came up to me, got my number, talking about what they wanted to do, and they were fired up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to do. Yeah, I want to fire people up. Listen to listen to my words. Okay, we are we are doing this. We are a few guides who turned into four hundred guides that punched sugar right in the mouth two days ago, not last year, not ten years from now, two days ago. Mm-hmm. We can do this. You can do this in every single fishery, every single issue. We can do this. So it's just a matter of you deciding you're done with it. You're done with it. And I, again, I think this industry, AFTA included, should be done with it. Everywhere there's a situation where special interest is, is placing a higher priority on dollars over what we love, we need to punch them right in the mm-hmm. mouth. Punch them in the mouth with everything you got. If it's five guides, start with five guides. It'll turn into 15 quick. Yeah. And that's that's the lesson here. And that's exactly how we do it. That's why when you said, hey, man, you want to shoot a podcast, talk about 2508? Hell yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 11 o'clock Let's, at night, 1 o'clock in the morning, it, it doesn't matter. What does it matter? <laughs> Two days ago, I was driving at this time. still had an hour to go. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, come on. Yeah, I was standing uh, yeah. in the airport trying to rent a car to come down here, and Benny goes, sorry to call you so late. I'm like, I'm standing in the airport. And then he goes, well, I'm driving back from Tallahassee, <laughs> yeah. so... I mean, look, here's, here's another perspective yep. that is always, always motivates people when I go talk, right? I, I, I am fortunate enough to know some of the, the legends in the industry, and I talk to them all the time. And um, I'm not going to name names because everyone knows who he is. But well, he's talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was talking to, to, to Lucas over here. No, so there's one in particular that everyone knows, and um, he's super passionate about it. He's been talking about the issues for a long, long time. And I said, hey, man. And, he, and I was at his house one day, and he was explaining all these epic things that happened. This one time in Mesquite Lagoon, I, I was in, the, in my boat and came around the corner, and the school was so big, it was the size of Texas. And I was in Florida Bay one time, and the, the tarpon were coming so fast, I couldn't hook them fast enough. And all these epic stories. And I, and I said, hey, if you knew that 30 years from then, because you're telling me this happened 30 years ago, that it would be what it is today, how loud would you have screamed? How much sleep would you have gotten? Would you have stopped yelling from the, from the rooftops? Mm. 
And he, all he could do was cry because he realized he didn't do enough. I'll be damned if 30 years from now I have those words in my mouth. Yeah. And I think that's every, I, everybody has to have that passion. Yeah, I think that's powerful. Yeah. In this, you have to recognize your moment in history where you live right now. Yeah. We are, we have the ability that he didn't have. Okay. Back then, they didn't know it was going to go away. They didn't think it was going to go away. Mm-hmm. We know it's going to go away. Right. So we're at the moment in history where we have the power to do what the status quo is and to let it die or fight for it and bring it back. And so that's all I need. I mean, there's, for me, there's no question. It's a light switch on, and it stays on. It never goes off. Mm-hmm. So if we have to do a podcast at 2 o'clock in the morning, yep. if I have to drive to Tallahassee after I do that podcast, mm-hmm. let's go. Yeah. You notice because every time we say the time, it gets later. <laughs> <laughs> if we have to do a podcast at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> the bottom line is it, it's always on, right? Because our moment in history, our generation is going to be the one to either kill it or live it. Mm-hmm. And I'm living it. And I'm taking everybody with me. So people who are listening, I don't want to hear no. I don't want to hear I couldn't do it because I'm one person. Because that's bull crap. We, we can do it. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it. Whether you're coming with me or not, we're going to do it. Right? <laughs> Hell yeah. And we're going to have make it easy for you guys and put this stuff in the links below Perfect. for this podcast. And that's, that's sign that's the so we're, ta- we're taking, <laughs> we're removing one step for you guys. It's going to be easy. Go sign the petition. Read about what's going on. Then share with every person you know. Yeah, and that's and share this podcast episode because we're we're filming it, we're recording it. Yeah, I we'll mean, you get, get it to out. See me. <laughs> I, mean, I can't that see. Alone. You. Oh, there you are. Oh, am I there? <laughs> no, I mean, but I, I can't see me. I can oh, see that's because of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but technology allows us to do that. Yeah. And that's the difference between thirty years ago and yeah. now is that's that one of the differences, and that's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. And he talks he talks about that too. Like we have the power of social media. It's a it's a weapon we've never had. It's like it's like going back into the ages when we were fighting with bows and arrows, and we have a cannon. Yeah. Okay. We have a cannon, well, but we also have the ability to look back in history, where he didn't have. They didn't have that back then. They didn't mm-hmm. know it was going to die. We know what's going to happen, and we have weapons. Well, and we always talk about the fact that the bad things about social media, because there are downsides to it, but I want to sure. say this is a good side of social media is getting the word out. Yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, it gives us, I mean, it gives us the ability to, to engage a powerful army. Like if, imagine if we were empowering all these people to, to speak up mm-hmm. and you could call on them in Texas to fight for something. Yeah. Imagine the power of that weapon. Oh, it'd be amazing. It's what we did in Florida. And you, you can not, you don't have to imagine you just, mm-hmm. you can see it. You can read about it in the paper. It's going to be all over the news in the next few weeks. DeSantis is going to run on it. I mean, this is a big mm-hmm. deal and it should happen in every state in every watershed. And if it starts happening, I promise you sugar won't spend any more money on it. Why, why would they waste why money? Why would they waste money? Well, and you know the implications of this could go far beyond fly fishing because 100%. if special interest has these legislators handcuffed, imagine what it frees up for them to do if these guys aren't pressuring them in the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it frees them up to do all sorts of things potentially and that they get out of the grime and muck of political corruption. Are you guys getting other nonprofits maybe not related to fly fishing to help? in the cause oh um, like uh i know cca is big here they do a lot of work here yeah um our or, cca chapter in florida is fairly useless okay um, unfortunately <laughs> and I, I, we went I, there early i'm not going to trash them 
because I, I really would like to empower them to do something different yeah. than what they've done. We've, we've made changes in Florida. We're showing that our model works. And I would very much like them to wake up, come out of the dark ages, and, and actually be a factor in the fight. I would love that, for that to happen. Um, there are other organizations who are not necessarily fly fishing related who have been involved. Um, they're, they're, they're inspired and empowered by mm-hmm. what they're watching. And so we're affecting a lot of change. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and, I, and I, I don't want to take all the credit for it. I absolutely am only one piece of a huge puzzle, right? But, but I think by taking this message and, and blasting it in every opportunity, we're empowering everyone to, do, to fight for the things they love. Um, I, mean, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but the reality is how badass would this country be if everybody did what they loved and fought for what they loved. I mean, it transcends fishing and fly fishing. Oh, 100%. And the environment. It's, it's, it's about creating a better space. And, it's uh, utopian. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But, it uh, would be utopian. I mean, unicorns would come back. But I mean, <laughs> can we just start with like better driving? That would be good. You know, but <laughs> that, that would be a unicorn. <laughs> uh, no, but you know, one thing I wanted to talk about is that, you know, kind of talking back to the legend that you were, you were alluding to but wouldn't name, mm-hmm. is that we have varying levels of the future that we're seeing. So Florida to me is the future of texas potentially if we allow nefarious things to happen and the environment continues to degrade is that florida is our future anywhere Mm. you know wherever usa alaska is our past you know like it's still the pristine untouched so in florida we're fighting for what was in alaska we're fighting for what will be because it's the past and so the beauty of it is that you have all these varying timelines that you get to look at and so no one can say that they haven't seen into the future because we have. Mm. Florida's in this level of, 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 of disrepair that can be fixed. Louisiana's getting there. Texas is working on it. Alaska's not touched. And we're keeping it from not being yeah, touched. Yeah, I really like that perspective and point of view. It's true. I yeah. mean, it, it's, no. it, it's true. I never Absolutely. thought about it that way. Absolutely. So no one can say, like, oh, uh, I, I didn't know. Bullshit. You know. Like, you know now. And. Right. The beauty of this is, and this is what I love, This because I feel like sometimes Benny and I get, we f- I feel negative. Like, don't you feel negative sometimes? Like, we're always like, eh. We just punch sugar in the mouth. I feel great. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but I always do, but I always, I feel like a lot of times what we talk about is 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 always kind of sad. You know, it's like, eh, what it was or what it could be. The beauty of this is, is that Mother Nature will repair herself very quickly. Like, we're not talking about 100 years in a lot of these situations, if you, if you allow the Everglades to filter the water and get it back into Florida Bay, it won't take long. Mm-hmm. That seagrass will come back, and it'll come back in, in droves because Mother Nature finds a way. It's one of the things earlier when you were talking about the red tide. You know, talk about misinformation. Oh, it's a natural thing. Yeah, but if it was naturally killing a million fish every year, there'd be no more fish. So it's obviously not natural the way it is now. Like, that's mm-hmm. not the case. Because if it was, the equilibrium would have adjusted a long time ago. That's the beauty of nature, is that it, 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 it equalizes. It finds its way. The only thing it doesn't is if we get in its way, yeah. which is what we tend to do All as, the time. as humans. Yeah, we're parasites. Mm-hmm. So, um, not like the movie, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> more, more like a, a trichinosis or something. Um, so, 
uh, don't, yeah, cook your pork all the way and bear <laughs> and bear meat. I learned yeah. that on meat eater. Um, yeah. No another, one trick gnosis. <laughs> no, 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 it sounds bad. Like, yeah, Steve Ranella made it sound really bad. Like yeah. I don't want it. Um, shout out to Steve, another podcaster. Um, so anyway. I, I lost my train of thought. It's uh, we started this podcast at six thirty eight. Hey, okay, so so let's, uh, uh, Benny. Yeah. We you are on Way Waypoint Net, TV Network for a TV show. We're yeah. on Waypoint Podcast Network. Cool. So let's kind of uh, bridge the gap there. So what is sure. your uh, TV show? So that way our listeners can go go check it out if they want to see what you look like. And sure, my TV show is Guiding Flow TV. Okay. It was created for a need to educate people on these exact issues. Okay. And so what I do is I travel all around. Um, it, it started in Florida, but now I travel quite a bit around. And actually, Lucas has been on a couple shows. Ooh. The web. So we the get, web. The both. web. You can see them yeah. both. So we can catch you guys both like yeah. in the same episode. Lucas's shows aren't that great. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lower um, ratings, huh? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. The, the viewership drops like a rock. Yeah. People are like... Whoa. <laughs> Is that but, what he looks like? <laughs> but you can watch, check us out on Guiding Flow TV and learn about what's going on in our fisheries in Florida. Um, and it may be something you can extrapolate and, and use for your fishery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what's going on in your fishery and maybe understand something that's going on. And that's why I did it. I wanted to educate, you know, and um, I was, also wanted to create. So when was, when did you, when did you guys like, when was this originally aired? Um, my, I, I've been doing this now for Three years. This is my fourth year. And then there, you guys are like pushing out new seasons yeah. and everything like that yeah, every we, year. We do seven or eight episodes a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we do some other s- small short film stuff, um, uh, all about conservation, all about water, all about empowering and educating people. Um, I did that for two reasons. One, obviously, to educate people, right? The, the second one is there are a ton of young kids, generationally younger than us, who need to see that conservation is cool, right? There's a mm-hmm. ton of YouTube content out there that is not conservation-minded. It's about drama and getting likes, and that's how I get paid, and so let me jump on a manatee and catch a marlin, you know? And that's terrible. Like, we don't need to have younger generations harassing the manatees and trying to catch a marlin. We need them understanding their impact in the water and yeah. taking care of the fish and understanding they get to use their voice. And so I, I created this show to make it cool. And uh, and it's working. I mean, everywhere I go, people stop. Kids stop. And, hey, Benny, I saw your show. And, and now, because I saw the show, I'm I'm making sure I don't take my fish out of the water very long. We take, and we pick up the plastic. Oh, and, that's awesome. And that's how that we make cool. change. Yeah. That's how we make change, right? Heck, we're, yeah. we're doing it on a podcast by and empowering people. kids are sponges, people. too. And they, they need... You know, someone to look up to. Mm-hmm. They need to have an example of of how to do it right. When I was a kid, I watched Jose Wahebe religiously. I watched Flip Pallet religiously. When I first met Jose, the first thing he said was, "Don't let anybody tell you no. Do the right thing always. Don't let anybody tell you no." And like here, here I am, right? And so, if we give the kids the example, we show them the example, make it look cool. Like there won't be a question. What should I? Not take that fish out of the water for 15 minutes to be Instagram famous. Mm-hmm. Should I not run across that flat and burn the grass up? Yeah. Right? No, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's stupid. That's not cool. Cool is to idle around and pull in like you're supposed to. Right? Cool is to make sure your camera's set up and take the fish out of the water for five seconds to take a picture. And make sure it's healthy before you post that picture. Mm-hmm. 
That's cool, right? And so I think that's where the culture is already going, and I just want to perpetuate, continue to perpetuate those messages. Um, that's awesome. I'm gonna. I haven't watched the show. I've seen. I've actually seen the advertising for Guiding Flow TV. Never watched go. it. I'm gonna watch it though. There you I'm go. I'm looking forward well, to it, be, man. Be prepared to be even more empowered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna leave I'm here. Looking you're gonna put forward, I'm looking forward to the combo episodes. Right well, uh, I told you they're not that great. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Here's a plug. Did not watch it. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, it was fun. It was fun to shoot it with Benny, and and we're hopefully going to do four episodes at yeah. some point. We have two yeah. more episodes yeah. to shoot. Yeah. We, we still have to go do more. Shooting. We're going to do one here in Texas. Where? Yeah. What are you guys doing for that? Um, we're going to do one here in Texas, and we're going to do one in Char- Charleston. Charleston. Yeah. Uh, our episodes, the ep- the four episodes we have, were are sponsored by Ocean Conservancy, and what we wanted to do was connect our coastal fisheries to talk about erosion, talk about how sea level rise is affecting and you know further enhancing erosion mm-hmm. and what that does to our fisheries and how each one of them really is connected beyond what we can see and um and so we did an episode in louisiana and hopedale we did an episode in miami in the everglades uh, i put lucas on a bonefish on several bonefish nice caught, he caught snook in the everglades yeah and got berated by rick stanzik from butter mary's it was I awesome did. yes and then we went to louisiana <laughs> i mean he just yeah <laughs> i'm still recovering it's my favorite part of the whole episode no and it then, was good it was good <laughs> and then i went to louisiana and lucas showed me his fishery I, I which i have a lot of experience in and i and i love and and i my heart breaks for what they're going through in louisiana and so to put those issues on a national blast and then to make it cool to care about those things mm-hmm. is what it's all about. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, and, it, and it, it really is about connectivity. I mean, I think that's really kind of feels like the, the word of this podcast and, and really what he and I are trying to do together is to say, I'd never been to Biscayne Bay. I'd never fished Florida Bay Area or the Everglades, mm-hmm. but I recognized immediately the problems that they were facing because they're the same as mine. And they're and with the existential crisis of climate change, it makes it global in nature. So, even though he and I are, you know, literally miles and miles apart in where we are on a daily basis, because we're being affected by the same things, it creates a connectivity between us. Mm-hmm. And so, what we hope to do is to demonstrate that in four different places in the country, that despite being geographically in very different areas. And that it may manifest itself slightly differently. That at the end of the day, in order for us to make change, we have to fight in the same direction. And so all this stuff is tied together. I mean, it's, there's no way to tease it apart. It's, it's truly surgically put together. And so, um, you know, that, that was the hope. And, and I think we've getting, we're getting that point across, despite the episodes not being as good <laughs> as, as Benny's other stuff. But if you do want to see a fat guy on the front of a boat get just berated by a legend in our sport, uh, it's there. And he, <laughs> and he was relentless. I mean, it it was, it's not a good, it's not a, uh, it's not a good saltwater fly fishing show unless you have a really salty guy just ripping into the guy on the front he, of the boat. Gave me the business. Yeah. I mean, I had spur marks on my back. I, I was like, I was like, I was like, this is impressive. Like, he's hurting my feelings, like, for real. He's like, I'm a guy. And <laughs> yeah, he's no, actually no. hurting my feelings. No, he's, no, not literally. But it was fun. It was really funny. It was the best part of the show. I can't get 
get through that segment without laughing. <laughs> it, it really so was funny. Because, it, it, you know, obviously with editing, it can't all be in there. But it, there, So just note that when you're watching it, there was more. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's only some of it. <laughs> but he, I mean, like, and the, like, we don't, I don't know how much we really touch on it in the episode, but when you watch it, there's like one scene where I'm trying to catch these fish on the front of the boat, and you see Rick's, bait fly in from the side because not only was he making fun of my lack of ability but he was impatient as hell which was kind of inspiring because you're like 80 year old guy like he just on the back of the boat not giving a care no if i didn't make the shot within one second he was casting around me to catch the fish (laughs) and not only did he make fun of me but he caught the damn fish like that was the worst part i'm like he's backing it up like i'm i felt Bad, but it was it was good. It was a, it was a fun show to do, and and I enjoy working with Benny a lot. And you know, uh, that was no exception. So it was it was good. It was Man, good I'm gonna episode. I'm gonna go home and for sure, yeah, watch these. Go home at eight thirty in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, man, it's almost ten a.m. We should probably <laughs> right, 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 right. I'm gonna go ahead and make some more pancakes real quick. Why don't y'all talk about Florida a bit more? <laughs> All right. So before we guys end, anything else that you guys, you any closing thoughts or uh, any other? Like I know you, we, I saw that your TV show when I was doing some googling earlier. Is there any other content that people might be interested in in checking out uh, um, to get more info? You know, or see a, what you guys are doing. There is a uh, well. We sent people to captainsforcleanwater.org, mm-hmm. and on the page there is a video that we literally produced in the last week on on the the hearings, and you can actually see watch some of the senators berate us and and um see some of the comments from the district and from the governor mm. um if you really want to feel what, what we went through you that video is awesome it's, oh, it's yeah. on the site it's called kill bill uh it's actually a play on it's the, kill the, the, bill. the movie yeah. kill bill nice and it's 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 if you want to understand what really happened and what the emotion was and the passion behind it you, that does a really yeah. good job of telling the story um but i mean if if at the very least everyone went to captainsforcleanwater.org and signed that petition, we did something here tonight. It will be in the description of this podcast. And so. we'll also link it on Instagram. Yes. Yes. When this releases. There you go. We'll nice. make it as easy as we can. and Yeah. Plaster yeah. it. Plaster it. That's Absolutely. Awesome. And yeah. then we'll release clips and all that kind of stuff to get the info out there as well. Cool. So Very cool. I appreciate thank, that very much. Yeah. And thank you guys for coming on. Yeah. Well, I only had one more question. Yeah. So this is called... Uh, the honey hole hangout. Yep. I don't see any honey. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's what it means, right? Like, they would get honey? No. 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 Oh. No. So you mean, like, a good place to fish? A good place <laughs> to fish, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's not yeah. nearly as sweet. <laughs> no. I've been wanting to say the sweet thing because we've been talking oh. about sugar all night, you know? So I was like, how do I make the sweet joke? I want to yeah. make something about sugar. So honey, Honey's better than sugar. Agreed. It's It's a healthier option. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the antioxidants alone. I mean, we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can solve the problem altogether. We just allergies stop, too, man. If you eat local honey, you know, you know, you're not supposed to get allergies as bad. That's true. I yeah, yeah. It's let's a sweet, just it's, let's just turn Florida's like sugar operation to just like a just a bee central, just giant beehive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah, we're going from sugar cane to awesome. beehives. Yeah. Well, you know that would help with the citrus because they pollinate. Yeah. Oh there we go. yeah. Problem solved. I, I mean, we're solving the I'm going, I'm going right. I'm going right now to cut down the sugarcane fields, and uh, I'm going to just put in the bees. Yeah, I'll be the bees' need. 
<laughs> okay, we've officially okay. Yeah, we've past. ended it. We've done it. Yeah. All right, Sorry. guys. Thank you all thank for coming you. on. Thanks for having us. Bye.